0: You're listening to the Write Project Podcast and Radio Program. This is a show about writing and modern Newfoundland author culture. This show is produced and recorded at CHMR 93.5 FM in Newfoundland and can be heard on that station and online at chmr.ca. I am your host, Matthew Drew, founder of Engine Books and author of the Xander Drew series a supernatural detective thriller from Engine Books. If you'd like to subscribe to get bonus content, including an extra episode every month, you can do that in the description below. Thank you for joining us. Let's see what we have today. Okay, thank you for joining me for another wonderful, spectacular, amazing episode of the Right Project Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew LeDrew, and this is a wonderful episode. Every other episode is trash. This one is the one. I am on the line with the amazing and spectacular Charlene Carr. Thank you for joining us on the air, Charlene. Thank you. No problem. Charlene is the author of way too many books, like a ludicrous amount of books, uh, including When Comes the Joy, uh, Where Where There Is Life. One of my favorites from a few from uh, the a few years ago, uh, Behind Our Lives: A Tale of Life and Love in Three Parts. I absolutely adored that. Uh, what We Can See, which like the Behind Our Lives trilogy, I just adored all of those kind of thing. Uh, just this amazing, amazing collection of books, and has recently been picked up by a, a major publisher for like a big deal kind of thing that we are not going to talk about because blah, but we can say that she's been picked up. That's as much as we can say. Uh, oh,
1: no, you, you can talk about it a bit more than that. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay.
0: Well, first of yeah. all, tell me about that deal, because I, like, cleansed myself of knowledge because I was like, oh, I don't want to do spoilers. So, yeah, tell me about this this thing first.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's a novel, it's called Hold My Girl, and it is about an IVF, IVF egg switch where um, the biological child is actually from another woman like that a woman gives birth to. And so there's two mothers, one, the birth mother, one, the biological child. And you can imagine some of the things that might (laughs) happen after that. And so I won't go too much into the details of that, but um, yeah, it was picked up by HarperCollins Canada in, as well as Wellbuck Publishing in the UK and a Lithuanian publisher. And it also has been optioned for a TV adaptation. So fingers crossed that uh, that happens, but (laughs) I won't find out about that for quite a while.
0: Yeah. yeah, It actually gets made. (laughs) That's a crazy, crazy amount of stuff to all be like surrounding the one. That's a crazy topic. I mean, obviously we can't go into it too much because like spoilers and stuff like that, but Mm -hmm. like I can think of like any different ways I'd like that to go already. I'm like, yay. You know what I mean? Like, well, Absolutely. my head goes to murder mystery because I'm, I'm oh, that's, <laughs> you know what I mean? The DNA says they're not really, you know what I mean? Like they do a yeah. CSI DNA analysis. Like, well, it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know.
1: I don't well, know do. my hope is certainly that the premise gets people interested in wanting to pick up the book to find out more.
0: Yeah, no, the premise is immediately, immediately interesting. Um, Crazy, crazy fun stuff. Charlene Carr, does writing energize you or does it exhaust you
1: it, it can be either the majority of the time I would say it energizes me when I have a good writing day there's just nothing like it I love it <laughs> and that's why I do this because I get so much joy in seeing these stories and these characters and the ideas just come together and you know sometimes even move me in the writing and and if I've if I've made myself cry in a writing session, then I feel like I've done I've done some good work. Gotcha. <laughs> um, you know, but uh, yeah, I definitely try to get it done as I can, in early in the day as I can. This last book, Hold My Girl, it was mostly written in the evenings after my daughter went to bed. But I'm finding that. I, I have a lot more energy for the day and I just start the day feeling really accomplished if I can make it the first thing I do. So I actually just finished the first draft of uh, a new book on Friday yeah. and thank you. And uh, I did the majority of that kind of first thing in the morning and it it went a lot better for just feeling accomplished and feeling joy in my writing life rather than you know having it at the end of the day and all day feeling this pressure like what if i don't get it done what if i'm too tired what if other things come up so for me definitely first thing in in the morning or as close to it as i can is ideal
0: what is your favorite comic book or comic book character
1: oh goodness <laughs> yeah i think the only comics books i've read are like the archie comics when i was a kid yep. but um oh goodness this is horrible I watched it very recently. I'm trying to think of the name of this character and it's just out of my head, but I really enjoy her character. She's um, one of the Ol- the youngest Olsen, Elizabeth. Oh, Olsen? Oh, Wanda.
0: Uh, Scarlet witch. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. She's amazing.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I watched this series recently and something about her character, there was just such vulnerability and among that strength and power. And she did something horrible and yeah. almost unforgivable but when you consider the reasons behind it it was it was just the writing too and I don't know how much of that is from the comics and how much is the writers of the show but it was so complex and it was so character driven and I I was just blown away
0: yeah no I I adored that series um Charlene Carr in your recollection as far back as you want to go or don't want to go what is the first book that you remember making you cry
1: maybe the Velveteen Rabbit and I don't, I don't remember if I remember that first time of reading it, but I, I can't read that book without choking up.
0: <laughs> I wish I could have that author on because I'm like, I've read that book. I've read that book to children as an adult. And now I, like as an author, I have a different view on it. I'm like, why are you doing this to children? Like this, like you can't <laughs> tell me that your thought process was not, I'm going to emotionally damage some children. Let's write a book. Like, like it
1: seems like a children's book that's actually meant for adults.
0: Yeah. Like it's nostalgic. And, it's about mutability, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Uh the, another book that reminds me of that and I read it to my daughter every now and then. I I don't think I've ever gotten through it without at least choking up a little bit if not crying. But love you forever I, by I, Robert I were, munch I knew you were, were going to say that. <laughs> yeah. And just like you know, I don't think my daughter totally gets it yet. She's starting to. She's 4. Like, why do I want to read her a book that's going to tell her I'm going to die one
0: day? <laughs> well, you are. We all are. You know I know I, mean? I
1: am, but like when she's two, is that really necessary? <laughs> I, I don't know.
0: I mean, as sad as it is, some some kids do lose their parents. their parents that young. You know what I mean? Like it's.
1: I guess so, but in this book, it's more the it's it's because they're old.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: Right, it's because the parent is aging, and that I mean, I think yeah. books like that are certainly important, but then in it. In a situation like that, it would be a book where a parent, or where a parent does actually pass away while the child is young. But in this one, where it's old, like by the time the child is old enough to be in that circumstance, they wouldn't be reading children's books.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, one hopes anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Well, I mean, they uh, could be. There's, not, I read children's books, <laughs> but
0: by, by which I mean, because I took that a different way. I took that to mean hopefully they're still pretty young. Hopefully they don't have their own children that they're reading it to. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, I I took it that way because I'm silly. Similar topic, Charlene Carr, what is your favorite childhood book? Uh, And I love asking this of people with children because you can take it one of two ways. You can take it as your favorite book from when you were a child or your favorite book to read to your child currently. You know, you can approach it from one or two mindsets.
1: There's just so many. Um, So I'll just go. I'm definitely going to go with that. I read to my child and the one that uh popped up first in my mind is what we read this morning and it's called follow following Papa's song. Uh, I don't remember who it's by, but it's about whales journeying throughout the ocean in their yearly journey. And this baby whale who it's his first trip. And it's a very simple story, but it's just absolutely beautiful as this whale is out on his journey, his first journey. And he's, following his father but wants to explore more on his own to see what else is there and gets lost and that it's his father's voice that draws him back it's just a, a really simple very lovely beautiful artwork in it and yeah.
0: yeah I'm looking out there now it's by uh Gianna Moreno Marino okay. Moreno. I'm not sure <laughs> yeah yeah it looks beautiful like it pull, is it's
1: uh, really nice a really nice book Wonder- yeah, it is it, you know, it's not one of those big, super memorable books by any means, but it's it's just very nice.
0: <laughs> oh, Charlene Carr, have you ever read anything that made you think differently about fiction? That kind of changed your opinion of what fiction can be?
1: Um I don't know that I specifically have but i recently was listening to a podcast um i don't know if i can say it because there's a swear word in the title <laughs> um, is that uh, okay? uh we
0: don't curse on this one but you okay can, uh, you can allude to it you can say the first letter of it like
1: it's the s no one tells you about writing
0: oh,
1: um nice. and uh Yeah. So they had an author on and she wrote this novel about based on a true story of two young girls in their early teens who were sterilized. And I believe this happened in the States. Um, I believe they were African-American girls. They might have been indigenous. I'm not sure. But either way, the author was talking about um, the perspectives that she chose to use in the novel. And one of them was uh, the perspective of one of the nurses who was, you know, partially responsible for this sterilization. And it's not that it was something she wanted to do, but it was part of her job. Um, And, you know, so they were talking about the importance of getting stories like these out in the world and so many people who wouldn't know about it, if not for fictionalizing it. And the author said something really interesting that it was her responsibility to tell the story. It wasn't her responsibility to try to influence anyone's opinion about what happened or how they should think about what happened. Um, And the book I just finished uh, has to do with some, I, I won't go into the details, but it has to do with some, you know, very large political racial issues that, um, very contentious in the world right now. Um, And I've struggled with that because I certainly have my opinions, but I I don't want to push that on the reader. I don't want it to become some preachy book that's trying to tell the reader how they should think about these topics. And so hearing that um, really gave me a lot of freedom and to let go of those fears and that idea that I needed to put across a certain idea. I don't. I just need to tell the story, and I think people will take from it what they will. And I think that's that's really what an author is meant to do. You know, we're not we're not out there to tell people how to think. We're well, it's, it's out show there. Show tell.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. You, you, ideally, you would show them why this behavior that society does is bad. Not just mm-hmm. tell them, "Hey, you're bad for doing this." You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and have them write in in a gentle or, I guess, soft or subtle enough way that people can can pull their own conclusions rather than writing the conclusions right there for them, which is, I think, what some books do, and oftentimes they're less powerful for that.
0: Yeah, I always find I agree 100, and and but it always and it never affects how i approach writing like you you can argue mm-hmm. whether i'm successful or not you know what i mean but how i approach it is the same but it never ce- ceases to frustrate me when someone reads a book wrong you know what i mean like yeah. and i know there's no right or wrong way to read the book but like when a when a message of book a book is say like anti-racism and it's right there like the author everyone acknowledges it and someone goes and uses the book and goes no this is a pro reason and uses it for Mm. because their mind they like because when your mind is skewed a certain way no matter what it is you know what i mean like you read that into the world you know what i mean so if you're not telling if you're showing like i'll use x-men as an example because that's a, a a demographic that's fictional you know what i mean yeah like Everyone loves X-Men, including people that in real life would persecute real people. You know what I mean? Right, are, yeah. who are different and they don't see the allegory there. Or sometimes they'll no. like, but no, and th- then they'll take it too far. And they'll be like, yeah, but like, if the X-Men are an allegory for black people or gay people or like whoever's marginalized in society, it kind of messes up because then they go, but the X-Men are dangerous. Like (laughs) like like this guy has knives that come out of his hands.
1: He's actually
0: dangerous. So the allegory falls apart. But like we don't see it that way. But you know what I mean? Like it's oh, it's a mess. Definitely.
1: I I think what came from the thing that I heard that author talking about is that when people make those mistakes, it's not the author's responsibility to write in a way that makes it impossible for them to make those mistakes.
0: Oh yeah, because nobody reads it. It becomes a it becomes a mess. Yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. And and I I, in my writing classes, I see a lot of writers that try to like guard against reading it wrong and Mm -hmm. end up you preaching. You know what I mean?
1: And it's it's a hard line at times because you want to make sure that people aren't misconstruing you and thinking the opposite thing. But at the same time, you have to, I think, write soft enough that yeah, you're not. You're not preaching.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, my famous example for that is uh deeply uncomfortable to talk about, but it's uh the book by Vladimir Nabokov, uh
1: Lolita. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. You have you read it? I have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So well written book, great book, and it is anti that you know what I mean? It is anti-child yeah. abuse. Uh, the author is anti-child abuse, but it's written from the point of view of the abuser and how the abuser convinces himself that it's okay. And that, but I've seen readings of that. I've seen people get up on a podium in front of people in a class and argue that that the the child abusing character was being manipulated by the child.
1: Huh.
0: And I'm like, that is a that that is that is an illiterate reading of this book that is wrong that is yeah he he doesn't tell he shows so Mm -hmm. you can read it that wrong way and it's it's incredibly frustrating
1: yeah that's uh wow yeah yeah, i'm i don't know yeah yeah yeah. not 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 a book i
0: yeah, let's 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 just leave this topic. <laughs> End of question. Um, Charlene Carr, uh, do you view writing as a kind of spiritual practice at all?
1: Sometimes. Okay. Um, I would like I would like to say always, and I don't think that's always the case. I I think every book I've written there has been a spiritual practice in it for me at times, but I think especially now that I do have an agent and I have editors and the last book I wrote um, that I just finished was already under contract, which was a very weird experience (laughs) because usually, you know, you write for yourself and then, but I, you know, I know there are these people who are going to be reading it in a couple months. Um, So that made it more difficult, but there, there's actually two of my novels that, Were such a spiritual practice that they they changed who I am and and how I view the world and gave me the strength and the courage to actually do the IVF process and have my daughter, Um, and so, the two novels were about um, infertility and endometriosis and a character who kind of goes through all the stuff that I was going through and in no way is it autobiographical, but in writing a character who was broken and struggling and needed to work through her issues to find her own strength. um, I was able to do that for myself. Uh, So definitely uh, it can be an incredible spiritual practice and I would not be the person I am today. Had I not written those two books.
0: Excellent. Lovely. Lovely. Wonderful. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Uh, This next question is silly uh (laughs) requires a leap in logic and it requires a bit of a like story okay i'm so sorry i'm so sorry charlene (laughs) pretend for a moment that magic is real and it exists and the supernatural all that stuff you're walking through the woods you push stuff away and you you discover a tower and like in a dream you just know that's a magic user's tower a witch a wizard a sorcerer sorceress whatever it's a magic user's tower they're not home you go in the place is empty But there's like a spell or a cauldron or something that's like in mid-go. So you, for some reason, something comes over, you reach in your knapsack and you take all of your books, all of your written work to date, and you throw it into the cauldron, into the spell. That was the last ingredient. A big plume of smoke happens and out of the smoke comes an animal that was created from your written work. What animal is coming out?
1: a fictional animal or like the real one
0: it's an it whatever you want it's an animal that's made up of all your written work also quick note right project fans while i have you my latest book as loved our fathers is on store shelves now if you're listening to this online you can see a link to it down in the description. I would really appreciate it if you can check it out it's a hunt for the holy grail set in newfoundland and really examines newfoundland history it's my most personal novel to date and brings in a lot of my thoughts on newfoundland and newfoundland culture that we've touched on on this show but i've never really gotten into in my writing so i'm really interested to see what people think of it please give it a check out if you have the ability
1: I don't know if I have really any animals in my written work, ah, uh, just because it would be really fun. I'm going to say a flying um, antelope with the ability to talk and can also live underwater.
0: Okay. All right. <laughs> I don't know why, good- but. <laughs> That's okay. You are in good company. Only like heady lit people come up with weird, fantastical animals. Everyone else is fairly pedantic. So you, yeah, you've, you've really, yeah. You've hit it on a thing. Okay. I like it. I like it. Um, that's amazing. What is the name of this animal? I don't mean it's name. Like you've just created a new animal. What, what are, what is that called?
1: An anteloper.
0: Anteloper. Okay. All right. All right. Like an interloper but an antelope. Got it. Got it. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Gotcha. Um, Charlene Carr, what is your writing kryptonite? What is if you're trying to get your day, your writing done, and this happens, it ends the writing for the day. (sighs)
1: Emails. (laughs) Emails are such a rabbit hole, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, sometimes you get into something and then it's just like. 40 minutes is gone because you're trying to solve some problem or figure something out. And even more importantly, your your mental energy has been so drained. And so as best as I can, I try to not look at any emails until I've gotten my words in for the day. (laughs) But where my agent and one of my editors is from the UK, I always feel like I have to give like at least a quick glance to see if they've written. Because with the time difference, by the time I finish my writing... Like their workday might basically be over, but if there's nothing from them, then I strive not to not to check anything else, not to open anything up.
0: Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Um, Charlene Carr, what uh, part of your life, period of your life, do you feel like you draw from the most often in your writing? Your childhood, teenage, young adults, adults. What are you? when you're writing, when you're drawing from personal experience in your writing, what age are you drawing from the most?
1: Hmm. Um, for emotions, I've probably drawn from my teenage years more than any of the others. Um, like many of us, I had (laughs) very tumultuous, uh, teenage years emotionally. Um, and so even though most of the time my characters are adults, um, Whereas I'm a lot more even keel today. It's usually moments from my childhood or my teenage years where I'm, you know, if there's some really strong core emotion that my character needs to feel, I might go to some experience and try to remember or relive how I felt in that moment to, you know, how the character would move their body, how they would think, what they would feel inside of their chest um, usually comes from from some period there, I'd say.
0: Okay. Like it. I like it. Makes sense to me. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Charlene Carr, if you could go back in time super quick, like some kind of time travel where you could go back, but you only have like three seconds. So you go back in time and you whisper something in the ear of your younger writing self. You can you say one quick thing, just like uh whisper in the ear your your younger writing self's ear and then evaporate away. What are you telling your younger writing self?
1: Can I say two things? Yeah. So the first would be to believe in yourself. And the second would be to stop thinking that you need hours and hours at a time to write anything worthwhile. I think that was a huge crutch for me for a really long time. I thought if I didn't have like four to five hours to sit down and write, there was no point. Um, but when I learned that you can write in 20 or 25 minute intervals, like it absolutely transformed my writing life. And it meant that I could write multiple times a week, like, especially when you're, you know, when I was in university, sometimes it'd be months before I felt I had four or five hours to sit down and write. And so I got hardly anything done. I think that's good advice to a lot of authors out there as well. I, I hear a lot of people talking about, Oh, I don't have time to write. I never find time to write. Like, you know, once a month, I have this day where I can sit down, and I can write. And that's the only time I write and yeah. you can train yourself to, to write in shorter periods of time. Um, and that's the way you get things done. You just got to sit there and do it, the, <laughs> not wait um, for the muse, not wait for this perfect, like ideal day to write. Yeah.
0: We talked in uh, an earlier question, which might be in a different episode about like how we both write in the morning. How mm-hmm. I came to that was uh, a book on finance, actually, weirdly enough. Oh. Um, I've read a book on finance called, uh, "The." it's very famous, called The Wealthy Barber. Uh, I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. And he, he does this thing where he's called pay yourself first, because like your savings, mm-hmm. if you wait until the end of the month when you've paid off everything else, and then you take what's left and you put it in savings, there will never be money there. You will always spend it all. But if you take your paycheck and the, or even if you arrange with your bank to the second your paycheck goes in, it takes 5% of it and puts it in savings in such a way that you don't even see it happening. It just doesn't. Mm -hmm. If you pay yourself first, then your brain automatically budgets that this is the new maximum of money and you will still last till the end of the month as long as you don't take too much and put it in savings. And there, like you have to pay yourself first if you want it done, or else it won't get done. And I don't—I do that with money when I can. It's you know what I mean. It's not always feasible when you're running a business, but um, I do it with time. So with me, the thing I really need to do—the my version of savings—is the writing. So I Absolutely. pay myself first. It's like the second I wake up and I've got however many hours of consciousness allotted to me, writing first and then everything else. It's that same mentality.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: There you go. There you go.
1: Um t- 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 I will I will just say for sorry, for any um other mother writers out there oh, so <laughs> who that but, or parents in general, that might be a, poss- not be a possibility. Um, cause so oftentimes I'd hear things like that and I'd be like, you know what? I can't do it. I have a little girl who I never know when she's going to wake up. Yeah. And so when I say first thing in the morning, it's my first work that I do. And so the first thing I do is, um, we spend about 45, 60 minutes cuddling and reading my daughter and I, and then she's gotten that mummy time Um, and I let her have some screen time and then I do my writing before attending to, to any other work. So, um, I just want to put that out there because so often, you know, I was that mom who heard these things and it's just like, that's not possible. But then I know I've given my daughter time for the day, like focus, solid time. And I, and I'm able to feel less guilt if during my writing period, she's like, mommy, mommy. I'm just like, honey, this is my work period. Like I spent time with you and it was wonderful. And we'll spend time again together when I'm done. um and so yeah
0: (laughs) but to your point where you're like oh you can train yourself I always say to writers like or I would say to writers if you're serious about this as as a career like you need to train yourself to that point almost like like ideally it's not like unnecessary like you're not lost if you haven't but like that whole like oh you can train yourself like you were saying to write in shorter periods of time and not take not not to the thing where you have to sit and look at the blank page for eight hours before you write a word like that mm-hmm. thing if 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 you can train yourself to do that before you have kids that's great because then like oh there's got to be a nap for an hour like you know what i mean you got to be able yes. to take advantage of those seconds uh,
1: sometimes i like when i was writing hold my girl my daughter is was a horrible sleeper um she was an awful napper sometimes i'd put her down and like 25 minutes she'd be up yeah. and you know so i that's a lot of where that came in like if i could write for 15 minutes i'd write for 15 minutes and i often had a goal of 300 words 4 days a week yeah and 300 words is not a lot nope. <laughs> um but with that really small goal it meant that I would actually sit down and do it because it's like, okay, I might be able to accomplish it. And some days I'd write 1500 words. And if there was a day I only wrote a hundred, which happened a few times, at least I know I sat down and I did something. And every time you sit down and you do something that's progress. Yeah.
0: Yeah. How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, everyone, uh, check out Hold My Girl from Charlene Carr in bookstores all over Canada on January 17th, 2023. Please do. Thank you so much for joining me, Charlene. Thank you. No problem. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of The Right Project Podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're interested in any of the books that we've featured here today, there are links in the description for you to purchase those books on Amazon. And when you use those links, Amazon kicks a tiny portion of it back to the channel, which is lovely. It helps everybody. It helps the author with the sale, helps the channel, and it helps you find new, wonderful books. Either way, thank you so much for listening. It's really appreciated. We'll be here every Monday at 4pm on chmr and chmr.ca, as well as every Wednesday in 2023 at 2pm with a special episode highlighting Breakwater Books and their 50 years of success in Newfoundland publishing. Be sure to check both out. Please tune in, and we'll talk more about writing culture and writing culture in Newfoundland.